Hey guys, welcome back to the Japan Archives, episode 55, and the first episode of 2021. So how are you doing, Heather? How was Christmas and New Year? Well, first of all, I have to say, Akemashite omedetou gozaimasu, and kotoshi mo yoroshiku onegaishimasu. Um, Christmas was really, really, really quiet this year, which was fine. Same for me. And New Year's was also really quiet this year. We did for both holidays, um, we did do video chat with both families. So family in America for Christmas and family for New Year's in Japan. We made our own little osechi dishes and bought some osechi, dish, osechi dishes and we ate our osechi with the professor's parents while on video chat. So very unusual this year to not be able to go back to Tokyo and also the professor's parents couldn't come here because of coronavirus. So. It was good. It was it was different this year. We had a nice time. We spent a lot of time together, a lot of time at home playing video games and cleaning. <laughs> so we watched two movies in a day, and that was fantastic. So I was very proud very of ourselves. Nice. So how about you guys? No, it was good. Kind of similar to you. It was a quiet Christmas. We called my partner's parents in the morning. Then we opened our gifts. I called my parents in the afternoon. Not much else to it, really. So we kind of had a Christmas meal like the day before with two friends they came around pretty much it you know everyone's having to be careful and keep their distances and things so we'll just see how it goes this year also we'll see how this week's state of emergency goes in japan that they're starting anyway welcome back to japan archives in 2021 exactly welcome back guys i hope you all had a as good a christmas and new year as you could make it this year with coronavirus but Today, like we said, we were going to do something about a poet. Now, these poems that we're going to talk about today come from the manual shoot, which is, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it before. Maybe we have in some of your poetry sections. A long time ago, maybe. Yeah. But if we did or if we haven't, the manual shoot, it's a large collection of poetry. It's around 20 volumes in total uh, with around four 1,500 waka poems inside. The document in question was divided into three different genres known as zoka, songs at banquets and trips, somonka, songs about love between men and women, and banka, songs to mourn the death of people. And someone known as Otomo Yakamochi took a large role in the compilation of this manuscript. And we've talked a little bit about him before on episodes 19 and 49 of this show. So he's been around twice. So the poems by the man known as Manzei are found in here, like I've just said, but there are some who would call them his lost poetic sequence. And we'll get into the why after we've talked a little bit about the priest. It probably sounds weird, but the reason I was so intrigued about this topic was that I came across his name a few times in some of the poetry books I have, and he was a man who in some books, they kind of talked about him offhand saying, oh, like this guy, which gave me the impression that he was supposed to be well known, but I'd never heard of him. Whereas there were other books that I read, which basically said, we know nothing about him. So I felt like I was getting two different opinions and it irked me a little bit. So I was determined to do some research myself to see if there was anything else out there and I think I remember talking to you about it at the time about how it was annoying me and mm -hmm. you gave me some ideas on how to search for it and eventually we found something and we came across this article that we both read 
So Manze was actually his religious name, and before this he was known as Casamaro, and we first find him mentioned from a document all the way back in 704 when he received a title known as Junior Fifth Rank Lower Grade. I can see you twisting your head in confusion there, Heather, but please don't ask me what it means. Um, <laughs> I've yet to find... As you're reading my notes, I've yet to find anything that can give me some real useful details about what this court rank were and what other ones associated with it were. It seems to be very complex, but most of the times I see it mentioned, it just gives the title with no explanation of what the roles entailed. So don't ask. <laughs> Got it. Got it. We'll figure it out someday. <laughs> Eventually, I hope so. After that, two years later, so in 706, we see him being given the title of Governor of Mino Province, and that province is now was located in what is now Southern Gifu Prefecture. And this is a post that he received again in 708, presumably... You know, this would mean he governed rather well, and during his time here, he actually undertook some major construction projects, such as the construction of the Kiso Highway. So, jumping again now to 717, um, he's been promoted once more to junior fourth rank upper grade, and was also granted the titles of Inspector General of Owari, Mikawa, and Shinano province. All in all, from what we can see he's been doing rather well politically. He's proven himself and he's slowly working up the ranks. And we see this again in 720 when he was raised to the prominent position of Udaiben, which is controller, great controller of the right. I did actually find something that said what this job means. And this was basically an administrative position which was in charge of supervising four different ministries, that being military, justice, the treasury, and the imperial household. Ooh. So a pretty powerful position for a man who started out as a small provincial governor. But here it seems that we kind of hit the peak of his career. We have a bit of a gap in his life and we seem to have a fall from grace. In 721, the retired empress at the time, Empress Genmei, she fell ill. And three days after this, perhaps in desperation to make her better, the throne made an order for 100 consecrated men and women to be dedicated to religion so that they may pray for the recovery of the retired empress. Casamaro at this time also contacted the throne asking for permission to enter into religion so that he could do the same and provide his prayers for the empress. And they said yes to this. So he's leaving his very, very high political position for the role of a Buddhist monk. So quite mm. a jump of career. Now, from what the way I, the journal read, I'm unsure if that meant he was part of these 100 people or he saw it as an opportunity to change his job and in theory was an extra person to the original 100. So not too sure about that. But either way, he and the prayers of everyone else did go unanswered and Genmei died within the, the year. She died and the throne tried to find someone to blame. And so they turned to the people of religion that they asked to pray for her health, saying that the monks and nuns in the capital mischievously preach the remission of sin, even though their own knowledge is as shallow as their understanding is trivial. Meanwhile, they neglect their monastic vows. They start by feigning the practice of religion and end up clasping unto themselves lecherous abominations. 
So they were definitely using these people as a scapegoat. They, I feel that they didn't want to believe that the Empress would just succumb to her illness. It was, I don't want to say divine retribution because it wasn't against her, but Mm -hmm. divine laziness on the part of the monks and nuns, perhaps. That's what they were going for. Abominations. Multiple abominations. abominations. Yes. Mm. So yeah, not the fact that modern medicine hadn't been invented yet. So possibly whatever she had was probably incurable based on the time period she was in. Very true. Very true. They didn't know that then, though. Perhaps this also was one of the reasons that I talked about his fall from grace. In 723, he was posted to Kyushu to supervise the construction of Tsukushi Kanzeonji. So a temple down in Kyushu. And here he actually came into contact with Otomo Tabito and his poetry circle. And this man was the father of Otomo Yakamochi, one of the compilers of the Manyoshu that we already said. And it's actually here in Kyushu that he spent the rest of his life and eventually died. Now, why do I say that this was a fall from grace for Manze? Well, in essence... Back in old Japan, Kyushu was seen as a place of exile. So no matter how much the role you were given by government was sugar-coated and made to seem like a great role, if that post was in Kyushu, you knew it meant exile. Mm. And it was, in essence, one that was impossible to return from. Otomo Tabito, being one of the rare few who actually managed to get back into the capital's good graces and was allowed to return. But going to Kyushu meant, in essence, you're going to remain there until you die, which is sadly what did happen to Manze. But here is the thing. We don't know exactly why he was sent into exile. And we also don't really know why he asked to go into religion when he had such a prominent position in Japan as the great controller of the right. Mm. Like we said, two years went by from him asking to go into religion to him going into exile. And that would have been enough time for someone to have thought up a great end to his life, one that suited a man who had done something wrong potentially. And, you know, maybe he felt that he had to flee into religion for what had happened. And what was more perhaps with the prayers of those failing to heal Empress Genmei, that would have only added to fuel the fire to have him shipped off into exile. It was like the final nail in the coffin. But all in all, we don't know what occurred. But as a man who did construct the Kiso Highway, like we said, it made sense that they chose for him a position in exile that also involved another large engineering project, this one being the temple of Kanzeonji. Even If this man didn't flee into religion, it could have been that he was forced into it to some degree by his enemies. After all, this was a period of time in Japan where men in power and even women in power did have lots of enemies. And in doing so, it's kind of thought that if you are making this person fleeing to religion, it also means that you're not going to have any descendants. Your house is going to lose its power because there is the element of celibacy involved with these religious vows so maybe that is also why this occurred he was forced into religion because they wanted his line to end so he was no longer a threat now he did actually sire one son and jumping forward in time in 866 ad there was three men in kyushu at the time who claimed to be fifth generational descendants of him 
almost like echoing back to when the state was crying out that men and women of religion were breaking their vows, it seems that he actually also did this. So once more, it's like another nail in the coffin for him. He got up to some lecherous abominations, apparently. Some lecherous abominations, indeed. But that actually is everything I really have to say about Manze. He's a man we, you know... I, I have managed to find out some things about him, but it's annoying that still the one thing we need to truly understand to make full sense of his life is the one thing that we actually don't have records for. So as much as I've tried to sate my curiosity about this man, I'm like 80% satisfied. <laughs> we'll get the other at least 10 to 15%. I think you won't get 100% satisfaction, I feel like. I feel like there's probably a lot of gaps that we might not know, but I feel maybe you might get a little bit more satisfaction as we probably run into him again. We'll run into him again. I feel like we're going to run into him again somehow. I hope so. We'll see. Out of those theories, which one do you kind of like the most? Was he forced to flee into religion um, by his mm. enemies? Did he do it of his own choice? About how old was he when he switched into, he said, um, oh, 721. Well, that's the thing. We don't even know when he was born. We just have records. The first mentioning of him in the records is from 704. So if we go on the assumption even as young as 15 in 704, that would make him hmm. what during his exile? That would make him like 34. Like 34, if he was 15 years old. Well, I mean, it's possible that he was, mm, he'd reach high, pretty high risk. Not knowing enough about the ranking of the system in Japan during this time, I'm going to conjecture, could be completely wrong. I'm assuming he was from either a, a lower lake, lower ranking, <laughs> lower ranking. <laughs> oh, Japanese LNR. Oh, that's great. A lower ranking family, perhaps, because if we don't have a record of him from till this point, he was able to work his way up from that lower ranking family. Perhaps he had spent so much time amongst this world and like making all of these enemies and maybe to change his life. It's like, oh, I want to do something good for the Empress and I can change. Or he wanted to escape because he was part of this world for so long and it was just too much to deal with so just kind of forsaking everything mm -hmm. it's like i'm going to become religious and then i can help people and i can leave behind my enemies and maybe make a fresh start in life it's it's interesting or, I mean, you could also go he was maybe yeah he did something really bad and um okay well i'm just going to go return to religion now because i'm going to atone for this really horrible thing i did by becoming religious so i mean you've got some different theories different outlets depending on where you want to go so that is the life of Manze. Now, we did say this was like a joint episode because he also had a lot of poems. And looking at these poems in the Manyoshu, it is going back now to why some people would call it his lost poetic sequence. It was like they were cannibalized to some extent. Each poem was broken up and shifted around to fit into the Manyoshu, into the areas that was a best fit for the theme of the area of the book in question. In fact, it's been discovered that there were several other poems that were cut up to fit into the Manyoshu. For example, a three-poem sequence was also found on the death of Shotoku Taisha, for instance. And we're definitely going to talk about him another day. 
Manze's poems in particular were placed in books 3, 4, and 5 of the Manyoshu, but we are fortunate in that in doing so, they did not actually change the order in which they were written, allowing for an easier reconstruction of them. And associated notes as well next to the poems have also aided in their reconstruction, as well as detailing some of the information we know of Manze's life. From all these notes, we can even narrow down the poem's creation to between 723 and 730 AD, showing that all of them were written after his exile. And I personally feel that the first poem in his seven-poem sequence will kind of be evident of that. Sadly, I know you just said before we might come across him again. However, only these seven poems in the Manyoshu are known by him. If he had ever written any others, they have not survived. So mm. today we will be reading all of his poems that have survived. But yeah, let's turn our attention now to the poems. I think, Heather, as usual, you're going to read the Japanese. But I was thinking today I could read the English. Um, I've put here, we've both read the article now so that we won't really have the me trying to figure out what it means. But I think we probably talk about it a little bit after this, mm. probably. So Heather's going to read all seven poems for you in the Japanese, and then after I'll read the seven in English. Shiranui, Skushi no, Watawa, Miniskete, Imarawa, Kinedo, Atatakani, Miu. Yono Nago, Nanini, Tatoemu, Asabiraki, Kogi in Shifune no, Atonake, Gotoshi. Tobusatate, Ashigareyamani, Funaki Kiri, Kini Kiri. Yukitsu atara funaki o Miezu tomo tare koizarame yama no hani isayoski o yosonimite shika Masokagami miyakanu kimi ni okurete ya ashita yube ni sabitsutsu oramu Nubatama no kurokami kawari shirakete mo itaki koi ni wa aitoku arikeri Ao Yanagi Umetono Haneo Orikazashi Nomiteno Nochiwa Chirinu Tomo Yoshi. Although I have yet to wear the white quilted silk padding from Sukushi next to my person, it seems to me as if it would be warm. To what shall one compare this life? It is like the trackless wake of a boat that is sculled away. At the break of dawn. Erecting the treetop on the stump, hewing the boat beams, we went to hew them into timbers on Mount Ashigara. Oh, the precious boat beams. Even though it is invisible, who would not love to see on the mountain top the hesitating moon? Oh, that I could catch even a glimpse of it. Left behind by you, whom one tries not to see mirror plain, shall I then morning and evening be cast down continually? Even though my black hair, black as berries, changes and turns white, alas, there are times when I encounter heart-rending love. After we have drunk, 
breaking off and wearing in our hair branches of green willow and flowering plum. It matters not if the blossoms scatter. Well, thank you for the Japanese. That was a lot. <laughs> thank you for the English. That was a lot as well. But it was really nice to hear it like, mm -hmm. all in sequence. Now, the article I read, it had a lot of interpretation about, well, this word means this, 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 and this. And I don't really want to get into that too much. We would be here all day. But I think going back over them, you can kind of see a sequence um, in that the first poem to me, it does feel like it's the first poem he's written about his voyage to his exile. So the white quilted silk padding? Actually, it, it makes a lot of sense that that voyage, I'm guessing, depending on if he went in winter or in fall, where they're starting to get a little, little more chilly, hmm. or even in the beginning of spring, it's still kind of cold. For me, moving through, it's like he... His first one is his voyage to into exile. His second one is him, you know, thinking back on his life. Then the next one for me, it's more about, I mean, it, it talks about hewing boat beams, um, but we do know he went there for a construction project. So for me, this could be written around the time of him doing construction in, in a way. But then towards the end, when he's saying, even though my black hair changes and turns white, I think it shows that he's writing these poems towards the end of his life. And maybe he mm. feels that um, he's definitely getting older by this point. So I know we said, oh, even if we went on him being 15 at the start of this episode, he'd be 34 in exile. Maybe, maybe from this, he was a lot older. If his hair is graying during his time here in exile, maybe he was in his 50s and 60s, which might also make sense, you know, for someone to have such a prominent position like he had. Would such a young person have managed to get that role so quickly? I'm not sure. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, this one, this one, well, actually, there's, there's a couple of them that really I jumped out at me. This one, especially, that whole changing. Uh, of the hair. It's possible too that even if he was in, like, in his like his 40s or 50s, I mean, I've I've seen people here with stress gray hairs in their teens. So possibly his hair may be starting to turn and he realizes that either through observation or through his own his own ideas that you as you get older, you're still, you know, you're still a person with all these different emotions and desires that you haven't, you won't attain a higher plane of existence. You're still human. You're still going to experience all of the same emotions, no matter if you're 20 or you're 70. So it's possible either he was older or he was starting to get older or he was observing older people. And so I, I, I really like this, this one a lot, I mean, especially going back to, oh gosh, it was a poem I did a long time ago. Was it a was it Bashel? Oh my gosh, my memory is failing me. But it was one of the um, poets we talked about mentioned about like getting older, and he oh yeah he hadn't obtained his um, wait till I turn like eighty or ninety, and you'll see that or a hundred, you'll see that I'm really going to become a good poet. That whole reaching, keep keep reaching, even though you know you don't get to like you know adulthood, and then I've arrived. I shall do do no more. There's still a lot that you can accomplish. Also, I I do like the the. The poem about the the hesitating moon. It 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 has like a, a maybe it's the English translation. I don't I don't know how it might be interpreted from the original Japanese because I know sometimes like the meanings can just slightly be a little different from the English to the Japanese. 
based yeah. on like cultural understandings and time periods. So I'm, it doesn't seem to me like this is a wistful, sad poem. It's strangely hopeful. And I'm not sure why I am pulling onto it as, as opposed to being like a, a miserable poem. It's, it's a slightly playful, hopeful in a way. Cause you know, I'm assuming he's talking about the new moon where you, you can't see it, but he, still wants to go up there and try to catch a glimpse of it, even though he knows it's impossible. So it seems kind of playful. So I would wonder if his exile wasn't either he enjoyed or was resigned to his exile or was appreciating his exile, or what if he wanted to be in exile? What if he wanted to get mm. away from all of those other things? And like he had the freedom now to write poetry, whereas he didn't before. So it, it, it almost makes me feel a little lighter that perhaps he wasn't exiled in the negative sense that like he was like, oh, it's almost like an escape. And I could be completely wrong, but it, it makes me feel a little lighter to think that perhaps he was given a chance to do something different with his life and he was enjoying where his life had taken him to be able to write poetry. I like that theory. He's making the best of a bad situation kind of thing. It's like, this has happened, but I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to mm -hmm. be, oh, the exiled person. I'm going to be a person in exile, but I also have all of these things. Mm. I like that. Also, the phrase mirror plane. Uh-huh. What do you think that means? I was curious about that. That left behind by you, whom one tries not to see mirror plane. I feel that the left behind by you, it feels like he means Japan. Mm. Japan has left him behind for exile. I mean, whom one tries not to see mirror plane, it's like you're looking in the mirror and you see exactly the what is in front of you. So he's trying not to see it as, as obvious as what it was. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't want to see that I was obviously put into exile. It's just I was left behind by Japan. It's different. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I, I was going more, I was thinking, feeling perhaps more romantic since you said that he had potentially one or a few different um, offspring. So um. I hadn't thought of it in the context of, of exile. So you went a little a different level than I was expecting. You went much deeper. I was thinking he was just upset because his lover left. <laughs> so I like yours was much more high-minded. Mine was a little bit more <laughs> lower-minded. It doesn't make it wrong. I know, I, I just like that. I was like, oh, he got dumped. And you're like, he was left behind by Japan. I'm like, oh, that sounds so noble <laughs> as opposed to I got dumped <laughs> again. Hmm. Also, the last poem I, I did like. So this is his final poem. The after we have after we have drunk, breaking off and wearing in our hair, the branches of willow. So essentially, his last poem is about is about drinking. And getting drunk, it seems like. It does. I'm I'm intrigued about the whole wearing the branches and flowering plums in your hair, though. It's not something I've really seen or heard of happening in Japan. Could be just one of those things where you get really, 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 really drunk and you're like, hey, you know what would be hilarious? Let's put these branches in our hair. It could be. Seems like an odd way to sign off, though, in his poem sequence. After everything else... And, and how you could interpret it. Mm -hmm. This one's very amusing. It, it's very, very, seems very lighthearted and happy. Yeah, like he's 
drinking, he's realized that's where he is, and he's making the best of he's making the best of the situations. For example, when it's saying it matters not if the blossoms scatter, it's like okay, the blossoms are falling off the things in your hair, but you're still enjoying the situation. You're still having a good time, no matter he's in exile. But he's enjoying it,、mm. or at the very least, making it as good and as comfortable as possible for him. I mean, he's he's drinking, so he's having some fun somewhere. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To have that one be the final one, so not to have like a a death poem or a reflection on his life, just a, a drinking poem. Such an interesting kind of、end. a nice way. Yeah, it's a nice way to sign off. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just what I, I had come up with. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add. <laughs> No, I think no. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that.、Mm. Um, so there you have it, guys. The poems of Manzeg. We hope you like them. They will be up on the site. You can look at the Japanese and the English and make your own interpretations if you like. There'll also be references, so you can see some of the books as well as the journal article we found. So if you want to check it out as well yourself and read a bit more about the. Poetry interpretations, especially more about the specific words and the nuances it has, and things like that. If that interests you, feel free to do so. But yeah, first episode of twenty twenty one. Yay! So what is next week, Heather? If I'm reading properly, the next week will be a Japanese story entitled "The Tongue Cut Sparrow." Yes, it will. So we're gonna jump back and do another folk tale. I. Honestly, can't remember the last time we did a folk tale. Probably been a long time. So that's what we're gonna do.、Uh, but anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in today. We're happy to be back for 2021. We've got a lot of plans for this year, a lot of episodes, and a lot of new ideas for stuff. But we're just finalizing that before we talk to you guys about it. As usual, if you want to check out the show notes or the database we're working on, you can find that at. JapanArchivesPodcast.com. If you want to send in any questions or any recommendations for future episodes, you can send them over via the website on our contact us page. That would be cool. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JapanArchives, or you can follow my Instagram where I post stuff about when I'm out walking in Japan. That's Nexus underscore travels n e x u s underscore travels. But that that's everything for me today. I don't know about you, Heather. I think for our first episode back, that sounds great. I don't think I have anything. All right then. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for tuning in this week, and we'll all speak to you next time. Matane. Ina san kyotsukete. Matane. You wave at the camera. <laughs> I totally do.